Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Hey, great to see you guys this morning. And one other thing is, is this baptisms. We're going to be doing baptisms October 16 right here. And if you haven't been here for one of those yet, it's really fun. So we, we take this little piece of stage out and we got an inflatable hot tub that we fill up and it's, it's warm. It's not hot, but it's warm. Well, there was the one time that it got too warm, but it was okay. So we got that figured out. And so you guys, you guys will be fine. Like it really was. Like you got in there and if you were just getting in and out quick, it was okay. But if you were in for a long time, I got out in the bottom half of my legs were a little red. <laughs> but that's better than too cold. That is way better than too cold. But baptisms are coming. That's October 16. And let me just say, if you have not been baptized since you believed, then hey, jump in and do it. You can head to the website, sign up, or just mark that down. But we'd love to get you in there. And here's the reason why, because Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That This is what we do. This is what Jesus said to do, and that when we do, we identify with Christ, that our old way of living is dead, and we leave it down there, and we come up new with Him. So it is what we get to do. Your decision to follow Christ, it may have been something private, it may have been just God moved into you in a tree stand shopping or in your seat, but then you go public when we get baptized, and this is what I'm going to do, I identify with Him. And then you picked an awesome week to be here, because we're starting a new series, and it's called Chasing Giants. And now we're not actually running after giants, and this isn't about David and Goliath. What we're doing is really just looking at some of the giants of the faith, so to speak, in the Bible, looking at what they did, the way they lived their life, and what happened as a result. You know, it says this in Hebrews 13. In Hebrews 13, 7, it says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And this is what we're supposed to do with the leaders that we have today and looking at those great leaders in the Bible just seeing what they did. And let me just say, it makes a difference. It can make such a huge difference. Roger Bannister, you may be familiar with the name, but he was the first man to go on record to to run a sub-four-minute mile. People were trying, and of course the experts were like, well, we don't really know if the human body is capable of running at such speeds. You know, they just did their whole little thing. But Roger Bannister's like, no, I'm going to do it. And people tried, Olympics, Olympians, they couldn't do it. And then Roger Bannister, in 1954, ran one mile in three minutes, 57 seconds. And guess what happened right after he did that? It happened again and again. Six weeks later, his record was broken. Nobody had been, they'd been trying to do it for decades. Six weeks later, after he does it, somebody else is like, I can do it. Because when we see somebody else do something, we're like, if they can, I can. Like, why can't I do that? Over and over. Um, Steve Scoot, I love the name Scoot, like, because he can. He has actually run 136 sub-four-minute miles that he has on record. So, so now it's not even that big of a deal. But at the time, it was. But once one person did it, they're like, it can be done. And then the crazy thing is, is an invisible barrier was removed. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at what some great people have done and knock down some barriers in our life that you're thinking, well, I can't and I shouldn't or I don't know. No, we're going to knock those out. Look at what they did. And what you should be thinking is, if they can do it, why can't I? What's stopping me from doing that? Because sometimes it's just, it's just easier to follow. It really is. There's nothing wrong with it. I got into mountain biking 
um, in, in college. Went down to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and my brother and roommate down there are like, we bike. And I'm like, I bike. That sounds good. Let's, let's do this. And so we'd go riding, and, and they would just like clobber me, and I'd be out there just <gasps> sucking wind, trying to keep up with these guys. And my brother would like to ride behind me, and he's all like, go, 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 faster, faster. And I'm like, shit. No, it's not, not happy. But my favorite, what I, what I found was I could go a lot faster when he was in front of me. When he's behind me, just trying to push me, I'm like, no, but it didn't work. But if he went in front of me, I could see him take that corner and be like, well, if he did that and didn't crash, well, then I can go that fast. And if I was behind him, I could see what he was doing. I'd see the routes that he would pick and the way he would go over some of those rocks. And I'm like, oh, I'll just do what he did. And I could go so much faster because I was following. Let me just say this. We follow in the steps of some giants in the faith. And so what we're going to do over these next few weeks is, is really just take some time and look at a few of these. And now, the first one we're going to start with is Joseph. Joseph in the Bible. Maybe you're familiar with him. Maybe you're not. But we're going to kind of just start a little bit at the beginning with Joseph. So Joseph was born. to His, his dad was named Jacob. And maybe you're familiar with some of the Old Testament. Maybe you've read through the Bible or even heard some of those songs where they say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, Jacob, that, that, that's Joseph's dad. So his great-grandpa was Abraham, considered to be the father of our faith. He, he had some good lineage there. That's, that's, that's pretty good. Jacob, it can be kind of confusing because later on in the Bible, God actually changes Jacob's name to Israel. And I don't know, but every time God changes somebody's name, I'm like, did he just like... Like, you ever look at somebody and they're like, my name's Eric, and you're like, no, it, sh it should be Jacob. You just look like a Jacob. Ever do that? I think God's like, eh, you just look like an Israel, so here we go. But anyways, so that's not, that's not theologically sound in any way, shape, or form, but he, he changes Jacob's name to Israel, and in fact, that's where we get the nation of Israel is descendant of Israel's sons, of which Joseph is one. There's 12. The 12 tribes of Israel came from the 12 sons of Jacob, Israel, Jacob and Israel are the same, same person. It could be a little bit confusing, but Jacob and Israel, I'll use those interchangeably because God changed his name. So this is his dad. Now, his mom is Rachel. And Jacob meets Rachel and is like, that's the one. Might as well get married. So he goes to her father and is like, I want to marry your daughter. And her dad's like, okay, work for me for seven years, and that will be the bride price and you can marry her. And the Bible says that Jacob is so in love with Rachel, this is Joseph's mom, that he's just like, that, that the seven years were as weeks. Now, when I read that, I'm like, don't they mean the other way around? Like, the things that I want seem to take forever. But for some reason, for, jo for Jacob, it was just like, oh, yeah, seven years, it just happened so fast. And I'm like, how? I do not. Anyways. Okay, so this is, again, this is Joseph's parents. We have Jacob, who is Israel, same thing, because God changed it. And then he meets Rachel, and he's like, I almost said Rebecca. I'm like, that's my wife. That's not theirs. Anyways, so he meets Rachel. He's like, I want to marry her. So after seven years, they have the, the wedding ceremony. He waited seven years to get married. And finally, he's like, this is great. They get married. And now we don't know exactly what happened. But the Bible says that the next day, Jacob woke up and looked over Ah! It wasn't Rachel, it was her sister Leah. Everybody say, awkward. awkward. 
<laughs> now, I do not know. Maybe there's a little bit of, it was really dark, and there was electricity, maybe some alcohol. I don't know what happened. I don't know how you end up with this sister. But anyways, he did. And so he goes to his, his father-in-law and is like, what happened? I agreed to work for you seven years for Rachel, didn't I? He's like, well, the father-in-law looks at him and says, well, yeah, you did. But it's kind of like our custom that the, the oldest gets married first. You have be like, oh, that's something you should have told me sooner. You had seven years to tell me any of this. And you didn't. Did you think you, you know? And he's like, well, what's, what's going on? And the Bible says about Leah that she had weak eyes. And some people are like, she was just kind of ugly. Like, that's just how they said it in the Bible. And, I, and it's like, well, was it? Or did she have something with her eyes? I don't really know. But she wasn't, she wasn't the song that Jacob thought he was going to be singing. And this is what happened. And, and this is it. So then this is what happens. Jacob then is like, well, I want to marry Rachel. He still is like, oh, I'm married, but I, I wanted the other one. So he talks to her dad, and her dad says, fine, work for me another seven years, and you can have both of them. And he agrees. Ah, so now he's got two wives, like, like actual sister, sister's wives, like two of them. And let me just say this, it's not good, okay? Some stuff you look in the Bible and you're like, I'm going to do that. Some stuff you look in the Bible and you're like, is that descriptive or prescriptive? And let me just tell you this, this is descriptive of what happened. And if you read through Genesis and you're like, okay, you start reading Genesis 29, Genesis 30, it reads like daytime drama TV. And he's like, you know, he married the sister and the sister was mad and was like, give me a child or I'll die. And he's like, I'm not God. And she's like, well, then you're going to have to do something. How am I going to get kids sleep with my wife? And gives him another wife. And so he's got three wives. And you're like, what in the world? And they fight back and forth and there's bickering. And one of the wives is hungry and sells the, her husband. Yeah, I'm dead serious. Sells her husband for some mandrakes to her other sister, which is another wife of the, because there's four wives. It. It's messed up. you got to read Genesis. It's in there. You're like, holy cow, you want some drama? Just read Genesis. But look at this. This is the family that Joseph comes from. His mom is one of two wives that are sisters, and each of them were fighting back and forth and wanting more kids and couldn't have kids. So each of his his, his, like, mom and aunt, like, stepmom aunt, I don't know how, what you would call them, like, family reunions must have been really, anyways, so then you got the two of them, and then each of them were like, we need to have more kids, so Rachel and Leah each gave Jacob one of their servants to also be added to the, the, the family, and so they had two more wives, so, so Jacob had four wives, and he had, from those four wives, he has 12 sons and one daughter, but Joseph is a little bit different. Because which is the actual wife that Jacob wanted? It was Rachel. And eventually, Rachel does have a son. And that son's name is Joseph. So you've got a really weird family dynamic. And why did we go through all of that? Because we're going to see some amazing things in how God uses Joseph. But understand this. God chose Joseph. And Joseph came from a messed up family. Just messed up. And let me just say this, the family you come from, your background, it doesn't scare God. God doesn't look at you and be like, well, your parents kind of screwed this all up for you. At this point, you're going to have a class C life. Just enjoy. Economy, 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 economy. It's just what it is because that's just kind of the cards that you've been dealt. That's just what you get to deal with now. That's not how it works. 
God could have chose anybody, but God's like, no, watch. I'm going to use this man, Joseph. And yeah, his family's all messed up, and he's got a bunch of half-sisters, and there's all kinds of weird things that go on, and his brothers get mad because their sister gets abused by this guy, and right, so they go and they kill a bunch of people, and, and like, their dad doesn't really do a whole lot about it. He's kind of pet. There's just, there's, read Genesis 29. I mean, there's some drama in there, but this is who God chooses to use. God will use you. What you did, your past, what was done to you, it's, it's not, it doesn't disqualify you. God wants to use you. He really does. He wants to use you. And so this is what we see as we pick up in Genesis 37, verse 2. This is the account of Jacob. When Joseph was 17 years old. How old was Joseph? 17. Okay, here we go. He was tending the flocks with his brothers, the son of his father's wives. We already read about that. Bilhah and Zilpha. These are the um, servants that were given to their father as a wife because they otherwise stopped having children and they thought this would be a good idea and it created all kinds of drama. Again, read Genesis. So here we go. And he brought a bad report to them or of them to, the, to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Anybody see a problem with that? Like, if you've got more than one kid and you're playing favorites, there's a problem. Like, I have five kids, I have five favorites, and I tell them that all. I'm like, you're my favorite. And then another one walks up, I'm like, you're my favorite. Another one, I'm like, you're my favorite. And every now and then, I'm like, who's really your favorite? I'm like, you. Like, you always say that. I'm like, yep, and I'll say it to every other one of them, too. (laughs) You are my favorite. If you are playing favorites as a parent, you are going to cause problems. You will cause problems, and it does. We will read all about these problems but we love them all. We do not have favorites. But we see in verse 3 that now Israel loved Jacob, Israel, same person again, Joseph more than any of his other sons because he'd been born to him in his old age and made an ornate robe for him. Now, Israel actually has another son that's younger named Benjamin that was also came from Rachel, but Rachel died in childbirth. And so he just seems to be drawn more to Joseph than any of the other kids. And he plays favorites. Now when his brothers saw that his father, when his brothers saw that his father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. It did not go well. This is a little bit of dad's fault, but this is, this is what it is. And then he also got the tattletale being like, hey, look what they're up to. I think he kind of knew he was the favorite. But they hated him. Then Joseph, verse 5, had a dream, and when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out of the field when suddenly my sheaves rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. And his brothers said to him, do you intend to rule over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of the dream that he had and what he had said. So what do we have is we have a bunch of brothers that hate him. And what does he do? He gets a dream and he's like, I'm going to go tell my brothers. And they hate him all the more. Now, of the 12 brothers that he has, one is younger. They're all older than him. And I got to think this kid was dense. Like anybody in here have an older brother? Any man have an older brother? My older brother was awful. I had one, and he was horrible. He, would, he, he pawned me on every chance he got to him. He's like, it's a pecking order, and you need to realize where you belong. And I don't like that, just so you know. It didn't end well for me at all. He would just, it was, it was awful. It was 
horrible when we were really little. And I had one. He had 12. He was one of 12. So he had 11 brothers, 10 of which were older than him. And they all hate him. And he's like, "Ah, guess what dream I had? Like, I, he had to be walking like that. You're like, what are you doing? But he just, he's like, I'm just going to go ahead and do this. It was not smart. And the Bible says they hated him even more because of it. Then, verse 9, he had another dream. So what does he do? He's like, let's push rewind and do the exact same thing. And he told it to his brothers. You ever just look at somebody like, what are they thinking? You ever just see somebody and just you're like, I, this is not going to end well. That's Joseph. Every on the sidelines like, what is he doing? Why is he doing this? But he goes and he tells his older brothers. So here he goes again, right? Listen, he said, I had another dream. And I'm going to tell you because it went so well last time. That part's not in there. And this time, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. So now we've got jealousy and hate. That's a really good sandwich. But his father kept the matter in mind. What in the world? Now, first of all, Joseph is 17 and he gets a dream from God. Were the dreams from God? Yes, absolutely. He's 17 and God speaks to him about the future that God has for him. So I don't care how old you are, understand this. Number one, God has a plan and a future for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in the future. What God had for Joseph, he has for you. And at 17, God showed him what, the, what his plan for him was. At 17, don't discount kids and what God is speaking to them and, and is putting on their hearts. They may be young. They hear God, and I would dare say, sometimes better than we do. Don't discount. So, well, they're, they don't really know. No, you're not waiting until you graduate high school or college to suddenly be used by God and begin to start your life. No, you can be used by God, and he'll speak to you and lead you when you are young. There's not daycare going on right now. They're ministering to those kids. Yeah. That, that is what happened, and God will speak to them. And God speaks to him when he is 17 years old and gives him this dream. And God wants to do that for you, absolutely. Acts 2 says this. It says, in the last days, God, will, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. On what people? All. In the Greek, all means all. It's just, it's just everything. It's just this is it. There's not a little like, group that gets missed out. You didn't miss it. It's like, oh, I showed up late. I missed, I missed the all. No, you're in there. You are in the all. He says, your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. This is for every single one of us. Let me just say this. Every one of us, every one of us, God has a dream and a purpose for And it's so big that you and I, we get to lose ourselves in following after it and seeking it. Every single one of us. Goals are great, but God's dream and purpose, goals, you just just hit a goal, then you have another and another and another until you come to your senses. Like, it's just just what it is. But when you get a God-given dream where he shows you your purpose, like this is what you're here to do, 
It makes a difference. And you're like, this is, I, I am in, I'm going to spend my life doing it. God wants to give that to you. And he will if you ask. The Bible says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. And God went to a 17-year-old boy and gave him a dream. Like, hey, this is how I'm going to use you. But you ever just look and you're like, well, wait a second. That might have been from God, but it, it seemed to cause some problems. You know what I mean? Like, like you ever just, like, well, why did God do that? Because this doesn't seem like the smartest move. Because the minute you tell him, what does he do? He goes and is just like, oh, my God, tell everybody, this is great. Because he's 17. He doesn't know. He, he's 17. Remember how much you knew when you were 17? So you're like, I'm 17, I know everything. You do. You're absolutely right. But do you remember? You were. And so I'd be like, I'm just so glad I'm not. I'm just, I'm just not that anymore. Well, he was. But God gave him this dream. And it absolutely was. So why does God do that? Because here's the, here's the thing. God gives him this dream now. He's 17 years old to begin to prepare him so that he's ready to handle and can handle what God, what God wants to do in and through him. And it's this time called preparation. Because see, character is the foundation that our future is built on. It's your character. And here's the deal. Character Character is not found, it's made. It's made in the small decisions that we make day in and day out. So Joseph starts this off, and let me just say, he makes a wrong decision. But does God abandon him and be like, well, that didn't work? No. I heard somebody say a long time, he says, character is not what you do when everybody's watching. Character is what you do when you think nobody will find out. The character, God wants to use each and every one of us, but Sometimes we get in our own way. And Joseph got in his own way by telling his brothers and what God meant for him. He told some other people it, it, it did not go well for him. But here's the deal. Joseph has this dream, and yeah, it was from God. But in order for that to happen, there were some fights, there were some battles that he was going to have to fight for that to happen. So guess what? Joseph is 17 when he gets the dream. It doesn't come true until he is 30 years old. It happens. But you're like, well, what happened? What's the 30 years for? Because most of us, if you're like me, and God shows you something, you're like, I'll take that tomorrow. Thank you. Like, this is great. You can bow down today. That works too. But it's going to happen, guys. Like, here it comes, brothers. But that's not, that, that's not what happened. It took 30, it, until he was 30 years old. That's 13 more years. 13 years of battles that Joseph had to fight so that he would be ready when the time finally came. 13 years. And the first battle that he fought, the first battle that he fought was the, was the fight of, of, of pride. It was pride. Now, here's the thing. One of the things I love is like, he fails it. He tells his brothers, they hate him, and he's like, I'll do it again. And here he comes right back out. God sends him another dream, and he's like, yeah, I'll just say it again. He's so prideful. Oh, my goodness. What is he thinking? What is he doing? If you're familiar with the story, you know what ends up happening. All those brothers hate him. They're out in the field one day when Joseph comes to check on him, and they're like, are you kidding me? Here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him. They throw him in a pit, end up selling him into slavery. And maybe discouraged if you got sold into slavery. I think I would. I'd be like, man, this is not a good day. 
kind of happened as a result of, but, but you look at this and you're like, wait, but he had the dream and the dream was from God and didn't God see and know what was going to happen? And the answer is, yeah, God knew. And the Bible says that God will not allow us to be tempted in a way that's more than we can bear, but sometimes I think he trusts us way too much. But what is amazing is how he fails this test, but God yet is, is, he fails this battle. He loses this battle and God's like, yep, you, you can take it again. We'll do this again. God doesn't abandon him like, well, that didn't work. Because whatever it is, God can use it for good and he's going to. But he failed this, this pride. And let me just say, of everything that you are going to fight, because let me just say, God has a dream for you. Jeremiah 2011, he has a plan and a purpose for you. He wants to use you to be a blessing to those that are around you and to make a difference in the kingdom of God, he wants to use you. Let me just say, your family, what you come from, your background, it doesn't disqualify you. And there's some battles you're going to have to fight, but if you fail and you don't win that battle, guess what? It's going to come back around. And even if you do beat that pride that one time, it's going to come back around again. It says this about the devil when he tempted Jesus when he finally left, the Bible says that, that Satan left him for a more opportune time. He wasn't like, well, you beat me. I'm done. Goodbye. I won't come back again. You'll never see me. He's like, I'll be back. <laughs> and he walked off. He was the first, I'll be back. It was the devil. We're going to fight these battles. We're going to have them. And the first one we watch is J Joseph just, just absolutely fails. He absolutely fails. But God doesn't abandon him. And when you and I, when we fail, when, we, when we're... When we lose the fight, God doesn't abandon you or I either. But pride is one that every single one of us will have to fight. Proverbs 11, verse 2 says this, pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes honor. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. In fact, in Isaiah it talks, and it appears that pride was the original sin. Isaiah 14, 12, in talking about the devil, it says... How you have fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. The devil was an angel. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside, preside on the mountain of the gods far away to the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to the lowest depths. Many scholars believe that pride would have been the original sin. Let me just say, pride will stop God. It'll just stop it right in its tracks. If we have pride, God's not going to be able to use us and do with us what we want to because pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So, we, so you and I have to beat pride. It's a battle that we're going to have to. Whether you know what your dream is or whether you don't, if you don't have a dream from God, if God hasn't showed you, like, hey, this is what you're here for. This is why I've gifted you and positioned you where you are. This is what I want you to do. Then, then ask God. You need, you need to ask because he will. He will show you. So if you don't have it, you ask God, number one. And then the next thing that you do is until he shows you, you find somebody who knows what their God-given purpose and destiny is, and you serve them. Because the Bible says if you're not faithful in another man's house, who will give you that which is your own? You find somebody who's serving God, who knows what it is, and you're like, okay, I'm going to serve. Which, by the way, is how we defeat pride. We serve. We serve. 
but every one of us will have to get rid of pride. Remember, years ago, I was, I, I knew from a young age I was going to be a youth pastor. Uh, my youth pastor just really impacted my life, helped me to not make some really bad decisions, and I was like, I want to help. I, I want to do that for somebody else. So like college, Bible college, I'm like, this is what I'm going to do, and this is going to be for youth, and this is what it's going to be. And I was like, I'll probably end up in a small church, and they won't be able to afford to pay me enough. So I learned how to install carpet, and I was like, and then I'm also, I'm, I'm going to college for, for youth ministry specific, but I'm going to get involved in this church. It was Church on the Move, and at the time, it had the, the, the number one just amazing children's ministry in the nation. And I was like, I'm going to get involved here so I can learn that because I'll probably end up doing both. And, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm like, like, this is what, I mean, I'm like, this is, I'm charging forward and I'm moving with this and I'm learning everything I can and like, like paving the way so that this can happen. And God spoke to my heart. This is what I'm going to do. And, and it was many years, but eventually I ended up, I'm on staff. I was on staff at my, my dad's church. I started with the kids and eventually I they like, Hey, we want you to run the, the youth ministry. And I'm like, yes, this is what I'm going to do till I die. Yes. I was wrong, in case you were wondering. <laughs> but I was convinced. I was like, this is it. I remember that one of the, my, my boss came in, one of the pastors came in, and he's like, hey, um, we would like you to move out of high school and, and come be one of our teaching pastors and teach on Wednesday night. And I was like, no, I have zero desire to do that. He's like, we, we think you should. And I was like, no. And I went home. I told back, I'm like, ah, look what they want. And it was a few months later, he came back and we had a little meeting again. And he's like, hey, we, we, we want you to do, we want you to move out of high school. We want you to do adults. And I was like, <laughs> I already said no. Like, no. No means no, right? Like, I, don't, I don't want to do that. Remember, I went home and I'm talking with Becca. And, and between God and Becca, I just got this like, okay, um, am I building my own kingdom or am I serving in the kingdom of God? And I was like, Maybe a little bit of both. And so I went back to my boss and I was like, hey, um, whatever you want me to do, that's, that's what I'll do. And, and then Becca and I, we'd been talking, like, well, honestly, if they asked me to clean toilets and said, you know, this is, if you'll do this, this is what will set people free. This is what will introduce them to the gospel. This is what will tear down barriers. This is what will make, the, I was like, I would do it. And adults aren't much worse. Like, this is going to be okay. Like, I, I, I can handle this. And so, I did it. Now, I wish that the first time that they would have come to me, that I would have just beat the pride right then and there and just been like, yes, absolutely. I'm here to serve the kingdom, whatever you want. But I didn't. I had some pride. I'm like, this is what I want to do. This is it. This is my thing. This, is, was, this was a God dream that has turned into not just a God thing, but also mine, and I want to stay right here. I like it. But we get a second chance. And so God's like, okay, yep. So we switched, and honestly, it was, it was a couple weeks after we started um, teaching on Wednesday nights, and I was like, this is awesome. Beck's like, we're never going back to high school. I'm like, you're right, never, never. This is, this is way better. We love this. This is great. And then a few years later, I think God heard. You ever, you ever say something, and then you're like, ooh, God heard that. Well, God heard me say, yeah, like, we'll do anything. We'll clean toilets. So a few years later... Um, we're, we're still working at that church, and I'd, I'd gone to um, my boss and actually my dad as well and been like, hey, I feel like God's leading us somewhere else. I don't know where. And they're like, well, until you do, stay and serve. We love it. We love what you're doing. I'm like, okay. And I got an opportunity a few years later 
to go to a smaller church that was really known for the culture, uh, the staff culture. And I was like, I, I really want to see that and be a part of it. You guys are like, you're doing really well. I, I, you disagree, but you come out as friends and you're united and you're building the kingdom and you're not building your own kingdom. Like, I want to be a part of this. And I, and I was meeting with the pastor and he's like, that's great, but we, we don't really have anything for you. And I'm like, no, I would love, what do I need to do? I want to be a part of it. I'm like, just, just let me be a fly on the wall in some of your meetings and sit. I said, I'll do anything. I'll clean toilets. Whatever you need, we'll do it. And he looks and he goes, are you serious about the toilet cleaning thing? And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I look at Becca, she's, she shakes her head. I'm like, yeah, 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 yep, we are, we are. Yes, I'm serious. And he says, great. Um, so we meet with him about a, about a week later, and he goes, we've got an opening. You can come and be a janitor. And you can come, you can clean the toilets, and we will we'll let you in some of the other meetings. You can come be a part of. He's like, some, not, not, not right away. He's like, but we'll, we'll let you be a fly on the wall. And you can come, you can hang out with the staff, um, take, take someone to lunches and just kind of interview them and do what you would like to do, to what you think you need to, to learn some of the culture that we have. He goes, if you'll come as a janitor, you can come. And I was like, yes, absolutely. So we left to go do toilets. And we went up there. Let me just say, like, I had a plan and, and, and like, it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to do this and this and this, and then we're going to get here, and then the very tippy top will be like janitor at this medium-sized church. This is going to be amazing. One day, hon, I'm, this is what I'm going to do, and we're going to be... It, it wasn't there. Like, it, it, it wasn't. But can I just say this? Jeremiah, I love what, uh, excuse me, Proverbs 20, how it says, if the Lord directs a man's steps, how can he understand his own way? And sometimes we get an idea of how God should fulfill the dream that he gave us. And when he doesn't fulfill that dream the way that we think he should, we get upset. And we're like, this isn't the right way to make this happen. Well, we left and we went there. We were there, we were serving. My brother-in-law broke both of his ankles. He was a pastor in an even smaller church. He's like, hey, can you come help? And we're like, yes. So we went and we helped. Turned out we ended up being there for about a year and we were like, this is great, but this isn't where God's calling us. I'm in my tree stand just crying out to God. I'm like, God, what am I supposed to be doing? I feel like I, I have no clue. I don't know. I'm like, God, all I want to do is get behind vision and serve, and I don't know where I'm supposed to go and what I'm supposed to be doing. And he just spoke to my heart, and he goes, well, what do you think lead pastors do? And I'm like, I don't know, and you know I don't know. And he goes, I give them vision, and they serve people. And I'm like, that I can do. That I can do. So I left the woods that day, and I'm like, this is it. We're going to pastor. God's going to give us this vision, and we're going to serve people. I'm like, this is going to be it. I went home, told Becca. She laughed. That's part of the story. And she's like, have fun. Eventually, God spoke to her, changed her heart, and she's like, no, this is what we need to be doing. Let's go. God gave Joseph a dream when he was 17. It didn't come true until he was 30. But over and over, you're going to see the battles that he fought prepared him perfectly to do what God wanted him to do. I can look back on my life now, and I'm like, God prepared me perfectly. You look, and it's almost like chess pieces being moved from the time I was oh so young, whether when it was just serving 
at church with my dad and serving in the kids' ministry and the messages that I would hear when my dad was even in the car and the messages that he taught and the opportunity that my, my children's pastor was like, hey, you're here for a lot of services. We had seven services. You think two? We had seven then. We had two Saturday night, three Sunday morning, and two Sunday night, and I was there for all of them. He's like, you're here a lot. I was like, well, yeah, yeah, I am. He's like, well, why don't you help and you do this? And so he taught me how to run some sound and then some cameras and then do this and then fix this. And, and can you do this? And you think you could fix this? Can you, build, can you build this for camp? Can you build an obstacle course? I'm like, I can figure this out. We'll do it. We'll do it. We do all these things. I go off to Bible college. You want to know what I end up doing while I'm off in college? I end up doing sound and light. And I'm like, oh, didn't see this coming. Man, there were so many times that looking back, I'm like, well, God... Did I, did I miss it? How did I end up where I am? And I'm not going to say that I didn't miss it, but here's the thing that God does. God can work all things for the good of those that love and serve him. If we'll just surrender it to him, God's like, what you think is a mess? It'll be an awesome message. Wait till you begin to share how I'm going to move in your life and the lives are going to be changed as a result of you opening your mouth and sharing what you're going through right now. Wait till you get the victory. It's coming, but just watch and hold on. And you're going to watch what I do. God has a dream for every single one of us, and there's some battles we're going to have to fight so that we are ready to walk in that. For Joseph, it was 13 years. If you fail it, you lose a battle, don't worry, get back up. You'll get the opportunity to do it again. Win the battle, don't get pride, because it's going to come back around again. But I look now and I'm like, God, you just used this and then you used this and my time there and the relationships that we got at that church and the, the things, the lessons that we learned, oh, they're so good. And we get to, we get to take that with us. And, and we started a church and we had to buy equipment and I can run and hook up all of it and I know how to fix it and we're handing off more and more of it. But like, this is a good deal and this isn't, and this is good equipment and this isn't. And we can cut here and we can add here. And I knew it. Because I've been working in these fields for years, just serving at different churches and different places and different bosses and different businesses, all of it. God will use all of it to the point that one day you will look back and be like, it is almost perfect the way you moved me from here to there to there to here to bring me right here today so that I could share with you the fact that God loves you. You didn't screw it up. God wants to use it. He wants to lift you up. The dream that God's given you, he hasn't abandoned. You may have walked away, but he hasn't. If you don't have that dream, if God hasn't spoken that into your heart yet, seek him, ask him. He wants to show it to you. And in the meantime, find somebody who knows what theirs is and serve them. You can come to Life West and you can do it here. You can find some people in your small group and be like, what is it? And serve. And you just watch how God uses that to prepare you. Man, next week is going to be a riot as we go through Joseph and see how God uses every single bit of it to put him in the perfect position. And you're like, man, who could orchestrate that? Who could have done that? It's only God. It's only God. God wants to use you. He's not done. You're not too old. Nobody messed it up for you, your family or this, that or the next thing. God will use it all if you'll give it to him. You say, God, it's my mess, and I give you my, make it my message, and he will. He'll use every bit of it. You guys, God has a plan and a purpose for you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes?
you're here this morning, you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to give you the opportunity to do that because that's where it all begins. The greatest need that anybody has is Jesus. It's not money. It's Jesus. It's to be set free and forgiven. To know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven and begin to walk in the peace that only comes through a relationship with him. No amount of money can buy it. No vacation can give it. It's only found in him. If you're here this morning, you say, you know, I need, I need that. Or if you say, you know what, I've, I just need to come back. I've been doing my own thing. I've run from God, and today I need to run to him. If you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you. Right in your seat. When we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God. If that's you at the country, I want you to lift your hand. And we're going to pray. When we say amen, you're going to know where you stand with God and begin to walk out the plan and purpose he has for you. Get ready. One, two, three. Say, that's me. And today is my day that I choose him. Okay, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I know what my dream is. God's given me a dream. I know, but I have walked away from it. I haven't been giving my life to it. Maybe you thought God forgave up because of the mistakes that you made or some things that happened, some steps that you shot. You thought, well, I shouldn't be here if God really wanted me there. But if you're like, today I need to pick up that dream. And I need to follow God. I need to follow him in that. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Would you lift your hand up right now and say, that's me. I'm picking back up a dream. Thank you. God, those that just lifted their hands, I thank you, that God, that they've heard your voice and they can hear it again. God, renew a fire in them as they have just said, God, that they will, by lifting their hands, that they are going to, they are picking up that dream that you gave them. I thank you and I silence, I silence the doubters that are going to come around and tell them that they can't. God, may your voice be so much louder. Give them courage and strength to trust in you as they walk forward into all that you have for them. We thank you for all you're doing both in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to Life.